0: Welcome to the Riverwood Chapel podcast. We're so excited you're here. Please check out our other content and video uploads at riverwoodchapel.org. Thank you. Gather on Easter morning. What a wonderful thing. And we also appreciate all those who are watching online as well. We are glad that you have gathered. You've taken time out uh, to be with us. My name is Cole Tawney, and uh, I am the pastor here at Riverwood, one of, and um, we are so glad that we are gathering together um, to worship on this Easter morning. Now, I don't know if you know this, uh, if you remember a year ago, but there was major outrage. Outrage. And the epicenter of this outrage a year ago was a place called Bethlehem. Anyone ever been to Bethlehem? Anyone? 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 I'm speaking of Beth... Now, everyone in the room was thinking, are we talking about Christmas or Easter? Now, this whole Bethlehem talk. Now, I'm talking about Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Anyone ever been there? Bethlehem, Pennsylvania is the epicenter of the outrage. The outrage last year was a shortage of the Easter candy, the Peeps. Anyone a Peeps fan? I've been asking people all week, are you a fan of the Peeps? Thumbs up or thumbs down on the peeps? Thumbs up. I see some thumbs up, thumbs down. I don't know. It's kind of even. I don't know how you feel about that at home either, peeps. So if you realize, they make 5.5 million of these every day. Just cranking them out of the factory. Research also says that they realize that only one-third of these actually is eaten. It seems as if we have a love-hate relationship with the peeps. So, um, anyone a fan of peeps? I'm going to throw these out to someone, and uh, I am really hoping nobody gets injured by this. That would be like like the bad story. Uh, at Like, you go to Christmas, you know, Easter lunch, like, what happened to you? Oh, um, the pastor threw peeps at me. All right, so we're going to go there. We're going to go all the way back there, and somewhere back there. <clears throat> all right. <laughs> All right. Hopefully those fell upon the two-thirds that will actually um, eat them. Well, peeps are just a small example of really what, kind of what this last year has been about. This last year of of all the things that we think that are going to happen, all the things that we have confidence in, just like Easter candy— It seems like this last year, all of those things have been stripped away and have been taken from us. This this week I've been asking people, what are those things that we have felt the most in this last year? And here's a, a simple list. Let's kind of go down some memory lane here. The first one is our confidence and our hope. We placed a lot of it in our health, and it seems as if it could be taken from us very easily. And we were reminded of that in a very real way. I mean, who would have ever imagined that we would be sitting here a year and thinking that three million people would have passed away from COVID-19? Who would have imagined that it would have made its way all the way to our own neighborhoods? Maybe even to our own families. As many people probably in this room who, who wrestled with COVID, maybe even people who you know, wrestled with covid who would have imagined and so in that moment where we have so much confidence in our health we realize how fragile we really are and how it can be taken from us here's something else we learned this past year we put a lot of confidence in this thing called our american freedoms but we realize those two can be taken Oh, there's curfews. You can't go to this store. Well, I want to walk in and I want to buy this. You you can't. The shelves are empty. Airports are ghost towns. All of these things have been changed. All these things have been modified. That's the new word. It's modified. And we realize that this past year, all those things we place confidence in, in the American dreams and freedoms, really can be stripped away and taken quite easily. Well, how about our work? That is secure. We have confidence in our work. But we realized this past year, our homes became the new workplace. The dining room table is the place you're working on spreadsheets and making calls. None of us knew exactly what Zoom was, but now we do. And we're very adept at making conference calls and video calls. And our work work and you just have to walk downtown just a few miles from here and see all the businesses that are struggling it's hard and our confidence and our work seems as if it too can be stripped away very easily But how about this one kids the confidence that we know of school remember a year ago this was like an extended spring break it felt good like oh this is cool the novelty of more time now we're at home but then the novelty wore off as we're trying to now do school at home. Log into classrooms and get assignments and turn work in. And the distance is really the hard part. The distance from friends and school sports and activities and Friday night football. And school turned into modified graduations and modified graduation parties. And all of these things have modified and distance. And the confidence that we had in school, school, we saw how easily it too could be stripped away and taken from us. How about this place called church? I remember talking to our church staff and thinking, all right, in two weeks, we're going to be back in the building again. We're going to flatten this curve. We'll be back again. And we all know the end of that story. Uh, A couple weeks turned into a month, turned into two months, Modified Easter at home. Surely we'll be back in the fall. No, kind of, but still struggling. Modified Thanksgiving, modified Christmas. And here we are once again on a modified Easter 2021. And all the things that we found secure in, in church practices we found out those two could be stripped away. And so our confidence this year has really been questioned. (laughs) The things that we place our, our hope in. And so that is why I believe we have gathered here on an Easter in a very unique way. We're on the heels of all of these things being taken from us. And in the midst of all of these things being taken from us, we're now starting to ask deeper questions. It's forcing us to ask what is really things of hope? Where is true hope even found? And in the midst of all of these things being taken, we start asking the deeper questions about what is this life all about? What about the next life? Our own mortality? I've spoken to numerous people who had COVID-19, and they told me, in the midst of wrestling with this, they asked themselves the question, is this the end? Is it? And so on this Easter, we gather together to have a very frank and very real conversation, to ask very basic questions about hope. Because I'm guessing your heart, I know my heart longs, for something that is secure, something that is known, something that I can be like, yes, I know that is true. In a world where everything else is being taken, this I know to be true. And so we're going quest- to have a conversation around five questions. And in the midst of all of this, I encourage you, you heard Josh talk about this phone number, a uh, way to text a question. Later today, if you just want to make a, a, you can phone in and ask a question. We will get back with you. Um, We want to be that kind of church that deals with the hard questions that you're wondering about on the deeper level of hope in a world that seems so hopeless. So five questions. That's what we're going to do in the next 15 minutes. Five questions. And the first question is, is a very simple one. I think where our hearts are all being drawn to, and it is this question. Can we find true hope? Question number one. In the world you've seen that is taken so much from us, can we find true hope? And I am am certain that that is where your heart is really searching for something this morning. I know mine is. And uh, I know that we long for the things of eternity and what are the bigger questions of death and life. And so can we find true hope? I assume that is true of you as well, which then leads us to the second question. Question number two goes on the heels of question number one and says this, where does one look to find hope? Where are we going to look? See, here's what I'm assuming. We look to ourselves or we look to our American culture or all the things of our country and we will always end up Empty. I mean, this this last year has basically proved that. Just follow your heart. No, my heart is going to deceive me. I need something outside of myself. I need something outside of culture. I need something outside that's going to speak something of truth. And so this morning, I am going to give you a resource where I think we should look for something to help us in this question of finding true hope. And it is this: the Bible. The scriptures, the Bible, the scriptures. Now you're saying, well, why are we going to assume this is true? What about other holy books, other writings? If you have more questions about this being a source of truth, text your questions in. We, I'd love to interact with you on that. There's lots of great conversation around there. But let me tell you this, there is no single book in history that has withstood the kind of veracity and also the proof, and the texting, and all of the kinds of things that the fragments, I mean, if you look at all of the things over time, uh, popular writings, other holy books, this book is very unique. There's an interesting story of how we even got it, and how we search it, and it is still even true today. And so that's where I'm assuming that we're looking for true hope, and I am leaning into this as the source that we're going to check and see what does it actually say. Okay, so question number two is where do we look for hope? I'm saying let's look to the Bible. You might disagree with that, but let's just assume that there is something here to be heard. Let's put that off to the side. Let's, let's assume that there is something that, is, that we need to hear. The next question, question three, comes on the heels of question two, and, it, and basically the question is this. What does the Bible say about hope? What is the answer if we're looking for something secure, what is the, the narrative? What, what is the story? Well, the story goes like this. I'm guessing some of you probably even know how the story starts. The, the first words of the Bible are what? In the beginning, God. All right, there's the beginning. From the very beginning, God always was. And he created a perfect world. Well, mankind gets into that. Mix and eventually man has his own opinions and wants to go his own way. And so the narrative of this book is that humans are now broken and in pain. It's right here that we're broken in pain, and there's a huge, huge problem that we face. The problem is our own sinfulness. I feel it in my own life. I'm guessing you do as well. You choose to do the things that you don't want to do, but you're drawn to something. You're just drawn to doing things that are unhealthy. All of us are. You see, the Bible tells us that's the narrative of humanity. We're broken, in pain, and sinful. And the next thing that comes on the heels of that is that we live in a broken and painful world. This last year has, has basically told us that. But we have lived the brokenness of global pandemic. And so in this broken world, we then live as broken people. All right, now what's the story? Well, the story says that God, in the midst of broken people, wants to love them anyways. He walks with them. He watches over them. And then you read the Old Testament, and it is the story of people who are unfaithful to God, yet he is faithful to them. All through time, through the Old Testament, the kings, the judges, the prophets, all of that is the narrative. That's the story. Will you follow after this God who loves you? He loves you perfectly, and you are imperfect. All right, we then get to the end of the Old Testament, and we get to people like Jeremiah, and he says this. It's very interesting. Notice what he says. He says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil, and to give you a future and uh notice what Jeremiah says. Here's the word, let's say it together. Hope. What's he talking about? A future, okay, we can see, but a hope? It seems like all the kingdoms were being destroyed. What's he talking about? This hope. There's actually going to be a hope that is coming? Yes, there would be. And so we then ask the fourth question. The fourth question is this, what is this hope? All right, we're looking for hope. We're looking to this source. And now we're asking the question, what is the hope that is found in these scriptures that Jeremiah is speaking of? Well, you then start opening up to the New Testament and you start reading. And you're saying that the, the hope that, that is going to be found is not in political systems or in the treasures of this earth. Come on, we all know the story of that. All those things are hopeless. But the story of the Bible is that there is going to be a hope found in a person. And so we start reading into the New Testament, and we come across some things that are very interesting. There is a person who enters into the scene. His name is Jesus Christ, and he is unlike any other person that has gone before. And we can go back to his birth miraculous he was someone who taught with authority he's someone who performed miracles he, he turned water into wine I mean, those kinds of things and then you start reading more of the gospel stories and you read oh, man he's doing things that no one has ever done before i give you an example there was a moment where he had heard a few towns away that his good friend lazarus had passed away And so he travels there, and he finds it true. His friend had passed away. And in that moment, he does something incredible. He brings his friend Lazarus back to life again. And in the midst of the Gospel of John, notice the words that are recorded. It says this. He says, Jesus said this. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. What did Jesus mean by this? Not only would he perform a a resurrection on his friend, but notice what he says. He says, I am the resurrection. And what he's speaking about is there's something bigger that is coming, something that is going to bring life, Something that's going to be dead and going to bring life. There's going to be resurrection that is going to be something you've never experienced before. As you keep reading in the New Testament, what, it, what happens? Well, the story continues that Jesus, this teacher, this healer, he eventually now is riding in on a colt into Jerusalem during Passover. Okay. The king, hallelujah, he's going to come and rescue us. What's he going to do? He's going to overtake all these political authorities. Yes! No, that's not what he was going to do. And as you read the story of, of the last week of his life here on earth, you see that the authorities had plans to dispose of him, to get rid of him. Insurrection. Too many questionable things. And so eventually they put him on trial And they found him guilty, and they sent him to the cross. A couple days ago, we recognized Good Friday. And we keep asking the question, what's so good about Friday? There was death involved. It was horrible, painful, excruciating. But it's part of the plan, God's plan of hope. There had to be death, the shedding of blood, the brokenness of his body, You see, Jesus would come to give his life. This is part of the plan, God's plan. He would give his life to pay the penalty for our greatest problem. Our greatest problem is sin and brokenness and pain. And now there is an answer, and it's found in the death of Jesus Christ. All right, he died, and the Roman authorities were happy. Yay, we got rid of him. The Jewish authorities wash their hands of him. We don't have to deal with him anymore. But we know the rest of the story. See, you follow the gospel stories, and the Bible clearly teaches that the grave would not be the end of that story. Jesus was not an average, ordinary man who then died. He was fully God and fully man, and he rose from the grave. Every gospel writer, Matthew the tax collector, Mark the evangelist, Luke the physician, John the fisherman, they all attested to the same story, that he rose. Notice the words that Mark would say. He would say this, When the Sabbath was past, Mary Magdalene Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who is crucified. He has risen. He is not here. And see the place where they had laid him. Jesus Christ rose from the grave. Why? He, He rose from the grave. Resurrection to bring hope to mankind's greatest problem. A once and for all sacrifice, a pain of the penalty of sin. And there was life that was brought from that tomb. You see, the answer to this idea of, of hope is really found in resurrection. Resurrection equals the kind of hope that you're looking for. I, I know you're looking for it. It's, it's found right here at the empty tomb. Your sins are forgiven when you believe in what Jesus Christ did for you. How important is this truth? Like, from in the narrative of the scriptures, one Christian writer would say this. He, Tim Keller is his name. He would say that resurrection is the hinge upon which the story of the world pivots. This is the story. And what he means by that is there is no other narrative, no other philosophy, no other world religion, no other worldview that can answer life's biggest question and our greatest problem as human beings. All of the other things of this world are fleeting and filled with hopelessness. But something is different in the resurrection of Jesus Christ There is hope. And the rest of the New Testament would would talk about this. I mean, if you go to the New Testament, um, C.S. Lewis, who was another Christian writer, he would realize this as he would read the scriptures, especially from the book of Acts, which is the historical record of the New Testament. Notice his quote. He says this. He says, The resurrection is the central theme in every Christian sermon reported in the book of Acts the resurrection and its consequences were the gospel or the good news which the Christians brought. Is it true? Was it, is it true that they were? I mean, think about this. These men, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Paul, Peter, they, they laid their life down to tell the truth of resurrection, even when they themselves were faced with death. Listen to these words. He said, "Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again into a living." Let's say it together. Hope, hope a living hope. Through, how does it happen? The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And notice this part, to an inheritance that is imperishable. It can't be taken. It can't be robbed undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through the faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Peter would go and preach the word of the gospel, which is resurrection. People need to hear that this is where hope is found. Everything else in the world is hopeless. It can be taken. It can be robbed. Your freedom's Your health, your work, your school, all of these things can be taken. This is the one thing that is imperishable. The Apostle Paul, he would say the same thing. Listen to his words. He said, he delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us, and in him we have set our hope. We have set our hope that he will deliver us again. Paul said, I'm setting my hope not on the things of this world, not in the political systems, not in earthly riches. I am setting my hope in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The one who is dead is now alive again. And Paul would even go even further to say something like this. If it didn't happen, he says, let's pretend for a moment it didn't happen. And he says, let's play this out. If it didn't happen... Then our faith is futile. We're wasting our time. Those who are watching this morning, if you're watching and this did not take place, stop watching. Go play golf. Go do something else. You're wasting your time. It'd be better for us to eat, drink, and be merry and just to live it out and have a great time. And then when it all ends, it ends. But Paul says, if you play that out, here's the problem. Your greatest problem still exists. Eat, drink, and be merry is fine, but it has nothing to do to your greatest problem of sin and brokenness. What do you do with that? See, at the end, you have to come and have an account for that. And your answer is either going to be in what Jesus Christ did for you at the cross Or you're going to say, Well, I was eating and drinking and being merry. How about that? And that won't be sufficient in the end. And so on this Easter of 2021, we get to the fifth question. All these questions where do we find hope? Can we really find it? Where are we looking to find it? What does this book say about hope? We boil all that down to the fifth question that all of us need to have an answer for. You here in the front row, you in the back row, you watching online, over here in this section, over here. Every single one of us, even me, standing on this stage, needs to have an answer for this question. Do you believe the resurrection of Jesus Christ is your hope? Do you believe that this happened? A dead man rose from the grave to handle your greatest problem. You either do or you don't. Do you believe that resurrection of Jesus Christ is your hope? It's either yes, I am, or no, I'm not. And for those who are watching, those who are here, you might be thinking, well, how do I enter into this kind of relationship? What does this look like? The Bible is very clear By faith, for all those who believe. Even the greatest verse, the most popular verse in the Bible, for God so loved the world, for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that's this story right here, that whoever believes in him will not perish. That's talking about eternity, but will have eternal life with him. Believe. Do you, what are you believing in? Where are you placing your hope? Is it more of the American dream and the things of this country? Oh, wait, all those things are being taken away so easily. Maybe in this moment, he's inviting you to enter into a place where you say this. I realize I am broken. I realize that I'm sinful. And I've been, e- and I've been living the eat, drink, and be merry lifestyle. But today I want something different. Today, I realize that I need something outside of myself that can rescue me. And today might be that day you are trusting in resurrection. But a glorious day that would be. The people of this church would would celebrate with you, the heavens would be rejoicing. Those who are watching online, that's the question you need to wrestle with as well. Do you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ is your hope? Whether you're five years old or whether you're 85 years old, this is the question. I'm going to direct you to that same number, that, quest- that texting questions. You have more things you're pondering, more things you're questioning. Great. We love questions we love for you to interact because this is the cornerstone of what we believe. This, we've gathered together to celebrate resurrection on this Easter. And as you're sitting close by, you probably see one of these in front of you. It's called The Story. Please feel free to take one of these. It explains the narrative of the scriptures, the story of brokenness and rescue that is found only in Jesus Christ. I'm going to pray for all of us as we've gathered together to celebrate and you're going to hear more music that speaks of resurrection and this hope that we have. And our prayer is that you would know this hope that is found in Christ alone. Let me pray for us. Dear God, we thank you so much for bringing us here on this Easter. I I have vivid memories of last Easter, of being in my living room, watching a service online. And just realizing that, man, there's got to be something that is better. And so we're grateful that we can at least be with other people and and even have the technology to have people joining us. And we want to make great uh, the resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ, in this moment. And I realize that in a room filled with people, there are people who are still wrestling with question number five, thinking, I'm not quite sure still putting my hope in my career, still putting my hope in being a good person, putting my hope in doing nice things. I pray that you would meet them in this moment to tell them that's always going to be hopeless. All of those things. That really, truly hope is found in the resurrection of Jesus Christ alone. Help all of us to wrestle with that. Help all of us to come to a realization and to embrace and to celebrate what you have done. Thank you for what you have done at the cross through your son, Jesus Christ, and it's in his name that we pray.